So that was very moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cried. <laughs> um, and that for me was quite a humble moment because it it reminded me of why we do what we do, um, what our values are, and just quite the impact that just our, our little coffee and cake shop had on people's lives. And we won't forget that. Um, and that, I think, will keep us grounded in whatever we do next. For us, coffee and cake is community rather than anything else. Hello and welcome back to Breaking Bread, the Birmingham food podcast presented by food obsessed mates, Liam and Carl. I'm Liam, that's Carl. All right. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, buzzing. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Uh, we have been out stupid night. Well, I say we've been out, but we've been invited to loads and we're like, this is ridiculous. I was just looking at the list. Two of the big things we've done were invites, so... Mm. Gotta get that out there. It hasn't cost us a fortune to do these things. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag ad and all that shit. No, but we've done oh, the things we've done are great. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean we might as well get straight into it, man. I mean that trip to Manchester last week, along with the trip to the Shum a few years ago, this is like Oh, it's one of the best things we've yeah. done. It's one of them kind of pinch me moments, like what a load of fun that is. Yeah, like. so we were lucky enough to get Go up to Manchester to try out Albert's Trosh. I think that's the name. I'm so bad at saying it. I don't know if I've ever said it right. Either way, (laughs) everyone knows about it. It's a big famous bar in Manchester that's absolutely cracking. And there's opening one in Birmingham, so we got to go and try out the one in Manchester. I was told by quite a few people that it is the place to go in Manchester, and I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was sceptical. I was like, yeah, you would say that, blah, blah, blah. We'll see. We're going on a Tuesday. Let's have a look at it. We get there on a Tuesday, there's a queue outside. Like it, a Friday night, wasn't it? was it? mental. It was absolute carnage. And as the sober one between us, I was like, it was getting later and later, so it got to like one o'clock, and I thought, it's still crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking so round. much fun. There's still people dancing on the tables. There's still people doing shots. It's a Tuesday night. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Birmingham, you're in for a treat with this bar. It's so good. So much fun. They take it so, they put so much effort in as well. Like, there's entertainment nearly every night of the week. Not the nearly. There is entertainment yeah. every single night, mate. And the entertainment, they've got, like, choreographers and everything set out for this. Like, they put so much effort into everything they do. The entertainment's phenomenal. They bake their own, bake their own bread. And they get up. There are those piss chefs in the kitchen, like, four in the morning making the bread. And... Yeah, they put, like, for me, that was the biggest surprise. I mean, like... The entertainment, I'd heard that was like notorious. Everyone knows about how much fun Albert Schloss is. But the food, I was like, yeah, I know how these places work. <laughs> and then we got there and they, they were like, do you want to come and see the kitchen? And I was like, yeah, of course I want to go and see the kitchen. That's my place. I want to go and see that. Mm. Got down there, I was really impressed. Lots of little chefs doing their little things. Cracking kitchen, really Massive big. bakery. I was like, what's going on there? And they were like, yeah, we make all our own bread. I was like, all of it, and we're like, yeah. Yeah, and it's Burger. available it's like for sale as well, so you can just pop in and go and buy some nice bread if you want. 
Yeah, they're on about doing like a bakery side of things where they just have like a little display of bread and stuff like Giant that. Giant pretzels, they were ace. It was really impressive, but you had the curry verse platter. Yeah, so I had the normal food. All the food, like, all everyone's food looked unreal, especially some people had this pork knuckle, and that looked phenomenal. I definitely got, I was, was a great, bit jealous yeah. of the pork knuckle, to be honest. Yeah, I was a bit jealous, to be honest. But I had a curry verse platter that was like two giant sausages on chips covered in curry sauce and all this stuff and pickles, so it was fantastic. It was nice. Really was good. Really you had, nice. But you have a hot dog? I had the Kaiser, Kaiser dog, some like Kaiser verse. Heavily influenced by the. Uh, the manager of the Birmingham branch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice he was, fella. He just—he was so enthusiastic about this Kaiserverse. I was like, I've got to try it, man. I've got to, I'm glad I did because enthusiastic. Everything. I think I went through every beer on the menu. Yeah, he's a nice bloke. And every shot. <laughs> That's it. They make their own snaps in house as well. Well, they flavour their own snaps in house, and the, the flavours are unreal. I know because I tried all of them several times. <laughs> what was in the Pilsner's unpasteurised? Comes in. Um, Comes straight from the place, yeah, and they fill it up like with a fire hose and fill it up. And just that one beer, I think they said they get through like 600 pints a week or something like that. Just the one. And bear in mind, the beer list is a proper beer list. Mm. There's loads of beers that they sell. It was class. I was really impressed. Absolutely. Yeah, cracking entertainment. It's like quite a heavy sort of vibe for everyone. Like there's something for everyone, so there's a big LGBTQ yeah. plus sort of vibe to it as well, and everyone's mixing. And I think with the side we have in Birmingham, we could really use a place like that. It was really nice to see that there was 18 year olds, there was a few 60 year olds. It was like something for everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, old, young, trampy, posh. Like it's like <laughs> everyone. It's like absolutely everyone you can imagine was in this place, all loving the cabaret because we went. It was a cabaret night. Yeah, that was great fun. They were real talented as well. They weren't like two bob amateurs. They were professionals, man. Yeah, well, we've got some cracking cabaret in Birmingham, so hopefully they're all signed up to work for this new place. Yeah, definitely. That was obviously our favourite VR company, the relationship. Probably shouldn't say that, but I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Thanks for inviting us to that. Yeah, Becky. Really Becky did a great job of oh, man, keeping everyone herding cats man I don't know how she did it I have no idea how she managed to keep us all in line <laughs> she done a cracking job yeah, very impressed another invite from the relationship you, uh, you welcome go you went yeah so there's a new place a new VR place like escape rooms type thing in Birmingham called In A Box In A Box In A Box In A Box In A Box, in a box 3 it's called <laughs> I don't know what it's I did ask and then I forgot again <laughs> this is the only one it's not like the third one which yeah. I thought um, yeah it's great it's proper freaky like, yeah. you have to like escape rooms I'm not a big fan of escape rooms but even I enjoyed this um, basically you put this headset on and stuff and you're walking around and you walk around it's not just like sitting down and the environments are all match what you're seeing inside so there's like wind blowers and wind blowers where there's a wall there's a wall a lot of the time where there's a, like a ramp, there's a ramp, it's like, you see proper walking around with VR on. Completely. You do bump into a few things, but I bumped into my missus a couple of times. <laughs> but there's someone following you in the background that makes sure you don't like really hurt yourself or stuff like that. But it's like, after a couple of minutes, you feel like you're in this game. Sounds cool. Completely immersive like experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only, it's one of them things, it's only going to get better. Yeah, we're at the start of the whole kind of, VR and 4D yeah, yeah. kind of Oh thing yeah, we'll be, be a black mirror in no time <laughs> at this rate. A couple of years, full black mirror. Have a bar there. 
Yeah, they've got a bar, like in the waiting area. They've decked the bar out, pretty similar type to the games and stuff like that. And they've got different games coming. I think they've got a new one coming for Halloween. Oh yeah, good place for like a scary stag. one. Yeah, Christmas if you're at like Christmas party, work party, group of friends, you want to go and do something. Digbus the place to go and do stuff now. Anyway, you've got table tennis, you've got every you've got mini golf, you've got absolutely everything to do yeah, there yeah. now. Digbus the place. Waiting for Laser Quest. Yeah, Laser Quest to return, but like a proper like VR 4D one. Nah, I want to look adults full on Laser Quest. No kids allowed. <laughs> But no, I highly recommend people go. And if you like VR, it's, you know, it's worth going just to try out the VR. And it's not really that expensive to go to either. No. Like a decent price. Oh, that's good. That's good. Another thing I was invited to was um, our friends. Oh, ex, another another ex, mention. Here it comes. Ex-Little Blackwood. <laughs> uh, now Le Petit Bois. Ben and Sophia. They launched this week and they... Invited me over to just have a little taste of some of their dishes. Unbelievable. Oh, I was gutted. I was in Bradford on a course for her. Oh, it was so good, mate. It yeah. looked amazing. It was impressive. Like, you know, we've always trusted and been fans of Ben's cooking, Sophia's hospitality, their wine selection. They have good taste. And then I thought, I wonder how it's going to be adapted to this kind of French concept. And they've done a stunning job, you know. It feels very authentic. And then it's got that kind of Ben quality to it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> ben quality. Ben quality. Ben seal of approval. It's just all I can see. I can see me just like going through Mosley and debating to myself, will I, will I stop and have a plate of mussels? Will I just stop? Yeah, I'm just going to stop and have like a beer and a plate of mussels. Why not? It's that kind of place. They've Later. actually got like benches in the window. Not very big, but they're not booking them out. So if you're just strolling through Mosley and you fancy like steak fit or you know, olive mussels, glass of wine. Look out onto Mosley, that's the place. Man. I was really impressed with it. Done great job in the interior and all that. Really, uh, really hope it does well for them. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really excited to go myself. I'm going to book up and go as soon as I can. I've been to the Houghton Turner Brewery a couple of times recently. And yeah. I've been when Soul Food were there. But the Meat Meat Bun have literally just moved in a couple of weeks ago. So you, now you can go, and this brewery is fantastic. They've got all their own beers and a couple of other local beers on as well. So they're sharing the love. Cool. And it's a proper brewery, like sitting in there with the tanks and everything like that. And they specialise in showing the rugby, which is fucking perfect for me because I love the rugby. Yeah. So you can sit there, watch the rugby, proper beer. Now Meat Meat's Bun's there, so you can have one of the best burgers in Birmingham as well. Like the beer list was huge, cracking players. And I was excited about it. I, I didn't really notice it to be honest. It kind of went under my radar a little bit. And then you told me about it and you told me that they focused on the rugby and the NFL. And then yeah, I was the excited. NFL, yeah, yeah. And then when you when I seen then that Meat Meat's Bun was going there, Chris, I was like, fuck, this is like perfect. This I was going to say, though, you've got a good choice for you. Like, good non-alcohol beer. The Super Bowl, wait until the Super Bowl comes, I'm going. <laughs> I'd imagine they're going to do something for that. I'd be surprised think, yeah. if they didn't. Chris can stay and make burgers for the Super Bowl, that'd be even better. You know what? I'd book the day off and make it worth going as well. Yeah, I'm going to book it, I think. I'm going to book it and go, I think. It's one of them cool things. I'll just go and drink and eat. This on to today's one. episode? Yeah, onto the actual episode, yeah. Absolutely cracking episode, wasn't it? Yeah, a big thanks to Farah and Rory from uh, Pause for doing this. It was a really good podcast. 
went really well. They're such nice people. We had a great laugh. We even went for dinner after with them. We had that much fun. They, they, I know we say this all the time, but they feel like our friends now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This <laughs> happens a lot with us. It's definitely the best part of the podcast is like meeting friends. Like it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We feel so connected to them now. Like, and we, we laughed loads, and we? it was such a fun episode. But like Rory, absolutely like balls deep in coffee, man. <laughs> and nothing he doesn't know about coffee at he all. He loves it, man. It's brilliant. Like just listening to him talk about coffee, like I was like. I would buy it. Just type my money. Recommend me a coffee, Rory. <laughs> yeah. Bear in mind of like, this coffee is great as well. And there's always different coffees. There's always reasons to go back and try a different coffee. I'm sure the Hemingway had the special on last week. Hemingway. I thought that looks class. You're going today, aren't you? Yeah, I am going after this right, podcast. I'm going to try and get a Hemingway and a Cinnabuffin. Oh. What an invention. What an invention. So we hear the story of the Cinnabuffin. What a story that is. Mm. So yeah, obviously the other half of the podcast fire. What a story. I mean, she was a lawyer. Yeah, great job, yeah. Yeah, and then... Uh, I wouldn't even... It's not... St- lockdown hit, wasn't it? Lockdown. I mean, you'll hear the story, but it's an impressive turn of events. And if you've ever ate like, any of her bacon or, or the Cinnabuffins... Just what a talent, man. Like, oh, yeah, her cooking, her baking's fantastic. She's unbelievable. Really yeah. Next level. So, yeah, really hope you enjoy this episode. If you do enjoy it, don't forget to like and subscribe or follow us on Spotify. It means you get the next episode straight into your inbox and really helps us spread the word about Birmingham and how great Birmingham is. Really appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, Farah and Roy. Breaking bread, how you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, very well, thanks. Good. Cool, good to see you. Well, yeah, doing pretty good. Yeah, thank you. It's always weird, that isn't it? Because we've been talking yeah. for like ten minutes. Like, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If we just turn around and just gone, do you know what? No, no, it's 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 not going well. We really <laughs> we really want to unpack this here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really tempted one day just to hit play like the second setup. Seven, no. And just start. So we record the pre-conversation as well. Well, I'm waiting for one day where we say like, "Oh, how's things?" And then they just unleash. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah! Like someone's either sobbing or they've got a, somebody's really, really annoyed them. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Like, I'm still Delivery didn't come time. in today. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. I keep saying this. We've been so lucky with everyone we've interviewed. Like everyone's been golden with yeah, us. Man, that's why we do this podcast because Birmingham's full of special people, isn't it? Like, it's good vibes. Hmm. Mostly, yeah. 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 We're both Birmingham born and raised. Yeah. And it's just, there's a reason that people stay here. It's like the people are just really nice and super friendly. And I mean, I wouldn't, I, I can't think of anywhere else in the country I'd want to go right now, like, no. or, or have a business or just live in general. You was from Birmingham, did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, so I was born in Acox Green, lived here. I moved out for a few years and then I came back to do my undergraduate and then since I've just I've always been in Birmingham I've just when I came back it just felt like coming home so um because I, I moved out to Worcestershire of all places <laughs> and everything closes at 3 30 so like coming back into the city was was uh, was really good what did you study at uni 
Oh, like same thing that everybody who does coffee does. I did like a liberal arts degree. Um, and, um, uh, as, as you can see, it went really well. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but then I did, I was doing, uh, working in coffee shops and then doing arts work and the arts work just started to suck and I hated it. And then I found a lot of enjoyment in the coffee that I wasn't getting in, and all of a sudden it shifted instead of doing the, the coffee to support my arts work I was doing the arts work to make a little bit of money whilst I enjoyed the coffee stuff and then eventually I just dropped the arts work um, and just kind of committed to being a, a total coffee nerd or was um, it just a lifelong fascination with coffee always or? no no not at all um, it was I needed a job for my <laughs> undergraduate and I lied through my teeth to get a job at like the first coffee shop I ever worked at um, uh, urban coffee on uh, Com uh, Church Street in Comoro, mm. and uh, then I got there on the first day, and they were like, "So just so you know, we are just gonna, we want you to do it our way, so we're going to train you up from from nothing." Oh, and I was like, "Okay," <laughs> uh, and in my inside, I'm like, "Yes, this is amazing." Um, and then I just slowly started to just like fall in love with like the intricacies and the little details and and how much there was to learn about this subject. Um, and then found that I had a level of proficiency in it. Um, and then I just started going into it and just carrying on doing what I was doing. Awesome. Yeah. Farah, Birmingham. Uh, well, actually, I was born in London, but I moved to Birmingham when I was about three. So I think I am a Brummie. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't of course call myself you are. a Londoner. So I've grown up here. And like Rory, I did my undergrad in Birmingham as well because. Um, We've got some really good universities and I wanted to do law with French, which is what I went on to study. Um, and I really wanted a year in Paris and Birmingham was the uni <laughs> to go to to get that. So that was my strategic um, thought process. So, yeah, definitely a big fan of the city. And when it came to, when I graduated, I did think about moving um, to London, but I was so in love with the city. And there was so much going on here that I decided to stay and what particularly like one of the best decisions what particularly was it about Birmingham you enjoyed I think um because everything is so central and there's just such a good like depth and breadth of things to do there's we've got culture we've got arts there's restaurants there's the symphony orchestra we've got the botanical gardens you can get to any of the bit of the country that you want to go to really easily um and when I graduated the independent scene I guess was sort of starting out um mm. and more and more young people were coming to Birmingham a lot of my friends from uni were from London and they were like we don't actually feel like leaving so when when it came to deciding where to set down roots I had like really cool people around me in a city that I really loved so it was just a bit of a no-brainer to stay really I'm really glad that I did nice yeah how did you two come to meet well um <laughs> so um funnily enough we met in a coffee shop yeah <laughs> which is um, which yeah some people would say it's really cool some people might say it's really cliche but it is it is yeah. just how we met i it can be both sure. yeah, yeah, I, yeah sure <laughs> why not we're, we're all friends here yeah um, um so i was um it was quarter horse on the bristol road yeah and i used to supply them with uh brownies and cakes so i used to be one of their bakers and i was in one saturday to do a delivery and um the normal thing for a quarter horse to do is to give all their suppliers like a coffee. Um, so I would normally come in, deliver cakes, sit down, have a flat white and then get on with the rest of my day. And I just happened to sit next to him and he was eating a brownie that I'd made. And me being <laughs> the chatterbox that I am, um, just went, um, 
I made that. And he was like, <laughs> it's really good. And we just got chatting. I think yeah. we uh, added each other on Instagram and then didn't really chat. But then I think a couple of months later, I walked in to do a delivery one day and he was behind the bar working there. And I was like, I know you. I've met you before. Um, yeah, and it was yeah, it was just, just really, just, really just light touch. Friends, yeah. yeah, like it was... Yeah, I started working at Quarter Horse. You were still like you were making cakes for them at the time. Yeah. And... So what? How long ago is this? Twenty seventeen. Yeah. So not too long ago. Like, not, yeah, not yeah, a huge amount of time. Um, but yeah, at the time feels like forever ago though. Yeah. That feels oh like yeah. A lifetime ago. <laughs> mm. No, you saw that smiling. So it's not like it feels like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah de- de- definitely. Um, yeah, it, it's it's flown by. And then we really only sort of kind of got to know each other maybe like four think, years ago. Yeah, I think like, from 2018, we started like hanging out and just going for food, really. Yeah. It's got to be longer ago then that you were making brownies and stuff. Then. No, no. Yeah. Four years. Mad. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Quick turnaround to being like, I made that, to being like... We have we have a full 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 fledged business. It's crazy. And, yeah. It's really crazy. Yeah, but also it 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 feels like a natural progression. Like the the two of us both do two parts of a coffee shop and bakery business. Um, we get on incredibly well. Yeah. Um, and I think we both have sil- similar expectations and goals for what it is that pause is now what it could be for the future um and you know if those values and those uh, those goals don't line up i think that's where people start to start to unravel a little bit yeah you know oh, that makes sense how did you get into the bacon it's just something i've always loved so when when i was um like i think like seven or eight i tried to make a cake um, because I was bored one day. My auntie was like, do you want to make a cake? And I was like, yeah. And it literally came out looking like a pie crust. <laughs> it was rubbish. Uh, but um, my granddad l- had like such a sweet tooth and he, he encouraged it. He was like, that's the best cake I've ever had. You should make another one. And I did. So I used to bake for him basically from the age of about eight. Um, carried on. Really loved home ec at school. Uh, but yeah, he was my favourite person to bake for and he never really liked icing. So it was always about making a really good cake mm. that he'd like with a cup of tea. And then um, also for my family, but mainly for my granddad. And then um, when I got, I think when I got to university, I started experimenting with brownies. And since then, baking's just been like a creative outlet. It's something that I find very calming. Um, and it makes people happy. People like cake. So I was always the person that, I used to work in an office. So I'd always go in with things that I'd made at the weekend that mm. I didn't need at home. So <laughs> um, it's always been a hobby. Um but it became a full-time job for me um, during lockdown. Um, so I really struggled with working from home. I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't like being um, at my kitchen table um, at a computer. I just, it, it wasn't for me. Um, so I ended up having some time off and then leaving. Um, and then... Sorry, what was it you did? I was a lawyer. You were an actual yeah, lawyer? Yeah, solicitor, yeah. And ah. <laughs> it's quite a change um but it's it's something that I'd always wanted to do but it's just ne- I never thought I'd make the leap because mm. it's such I had such an established like serious job that it's not um 
I mean, I know a few people that have done it. I just never thought I'd be brave enough to make the leap. And I think were it just me by myself, I wouldn't have done it. But having Rory sort of there with me and us doing this project together just made it sort of a no-brainer. But I definitely wouldn't have been brave enough to do it on my own. So you were were you selling cakes for money like while you were still at uh, the law firm? Yeah, I used to do like a really small amount. So I was yeah. supply quarter horse, but like, you know, not not a lot, but enough that it was my project on the side, and mm. I and I really enjoyed it. Um, and that was the thing that I wouldn't mind getting out of bed at five in the morning to do. And so how do you even find the time to be a lawyer and... A <laughs> There's a lot of early mornings and late nights. I don't, um, I don't understand it. I don't but, know how she did it. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. I think that's when I knew it was such a passion of mine, when I, I wouldn't mind getting up at five in the morning to do some baking before I went to work. It just wasn't a problem. Um, I was quite happy to get out of bed to do that. But um, So that the enthusiasm was always there, but it's just making a career out of it. It's such a big jump. Um, mm. But I think it was... It was just, it, now, looking back now, it feels like a no-brainer. I, I don't know if when we were having the conversations at the end of 20, was it at the end of 2020? Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. Um, about going for it. I think we just went for it. Just just went like, what have we got to lose? Nothing really. Sink or swim. And it's if it doesn't work, thing. it is. But I've also always got a career. I've got a qualification. I'm, I'm always going to be a solicitor, so I've got it to fall back on. Um, so I guess it, I've got that safety net so when you made the leap how was the reaction with like close friends family um well i'd sort of made the leap once before i'd had a year um what about nine months away from law uh back in 2015 so i don't think um people were too surprised but yeah we've had like a lot of support i probably my parents were probably a little bit worried because it's it's going into like an unstable um unstable job but most people that we spoke to were really excited but we didn't really tell a lot of people either to be honest it wasn't a massively publicized thing we were just like let's try a pop-up so we gave it a go and then we told people and people were really excited and we got a lot of support from our friends lots of people came to visit in in our first week um and over the coming months and then i think when we started talking about the Bourneville space and sharing pictures I think there was a whole different level of excitement purely because the space is so gorgeous um, so when we shared pictures of all the flowers and the pink and where it is um, I think there was a lot of excitement then oh pe- people people went crazy people, yeah. it was it was mental like the the thing about the starting pause was that it was what one we, 100% we really did not talk about it at all but I think part of that was because we didn't have the time to. The The reality of it was was that you stepped away from a career as a lawyer mm-hmm. and as soon as lockdown had hit, I'd actually stopped working in coffee shops and I'd started consulting for uh, newly opened and established businesses as like a coffee consultant um, and did my first project. Everything was going really well. And then lockdown hit and obviously that work was about as useful as like a ashtray on a motorbike <laughs> like you no know, one needed a consultant <laughs> so it was doing bits here and there and then you you decided to leave your legal career and it was just a cocktail of wanting to do something new and exciting and yeah. and and super fun with mm-hmm. uh with uh somebody that i get we both trust wholeheartedly yeah and also needing to do something to bring some money in yeah at a, at a very very like sort of 
real level like it had like a financial there was definitely a big financial reason yeah. behind just doing it as well um which i think has happened for a lot of people over lockdown like i think it has been survival no, isn't it yeah it's just been yeah it's been a, a year and a half to two years of just pure survival people doing what they have to do um and we're quite fortunate in that we've had to be like, like or we have been the uh, company that's kind of blossomed out of it oh yeah yeah when you think back to when we started we didn't have a vision of what it would turn into Mm. we just hoped we'd make enough money to pay our bills and you know like the cups still are hand stamped and it was (laughs) um okay where do we go to buy stuff that we put our cakes in booker okay how do we shop there like we didn't we've never done this yeah um so as early as january this year i I can't believe pause isn't even a year old it feels like it's been um we've been doing it for longer but it was just selecting packaging going to nisbet's buying things and just going for it opening opening Um, on one day and going oh yeah cool we have nothing to give people cake in you know (laughs) there was no great master plan it wasn't like oh this project was six months in in the making it it was literally a week yeah i think we viewed the i think probably we went in on wednesday to look at um the space and we were open by the following monday yeah, we we did it in it. It was a six day turnaround, from from talking to, because we'd done a couple. We did a couple of pop ups. We did one in Sturchley at Verbena, who are just phenomenal. And yeah, we've both part, been there. Recently. Yeah, just so fantastic, food. unbelievable, great, great team, great ethos, and and Chloe couldn't open at the time. I mean, I mean, she's your, she's yeah. your, your, your uh, Chloe friend. approached us and said, would you do a pop-up for a month? Because um, she was due to open last August and then because of lockdown, she couldn't um, and she had rent to pay and she needed to do some kind of lunch offering. Yeah. Um, and she said, would you support by doing coffee? Um, and we said, yes. And we, we did that on a stage. Well, we did this home on like a tiny machine. home coffee machine. <laughs> a drink took like six minutes to make. It did take six. Um, it was like it felt like it, it felt like yeah, yeah. Um, and like <laughs> Farah's like bagging cake up, being like, "Here you go, enjoy." And I'm like, "Slow down." Like, <laughs> um, I talked to them about something, um, and we did that event, and then we did one at uh, a one-off at the high field yeah. as well, which was just like just came out of nowhere. But when we got to doing the five-month residency at Artifact on Pershore Road, um, yeah, we spoke to them on, on day one and by by day six, seven, we, we were open operating with, like, you were running around <laughs> um, doing all of the paperwork to get it so that we could actually open and have, like, a business bank account and all the things that we'd never, we never would have considered because we'd done, like, a little bit now and we yeah. were like, we need to sort this and then i was just cleaning the entire premises because they hadn't used it for like a year and a half no. as, as an art space but saying it all out loud like oh yeah i can't believe that we've only been doing this since about january like yeah yeah it's that's that's insane um, Did you share the shop don't you yeah yeah so it's it's it we we are housed within isherwood and co um in bourneville now and uh that it was it was just when things line up, you know, like sometimes like it's there's a there is a a percentage of luck in these sorts of things. Yeah. I think ours is overwhelmingly luck. Y- yeah. We've been really lucky. Yeah. I think you've been modest. I I think there's I 
I mean, we, we talked about this like a couple of weeks ago. I think that, thank you for that. But there is, we, when we set up and when we started doing that five month residency in Artifact, it was, we opened in conditions that no one has ever opened a business before mm. in. And we opened a business, which was one of the only things that you could do for like three months was go for a walk and grab a cake and a coffee <laughs> in an area that didn't have cake and coffee. Yeah. Our like, like the reason we have like the followers that we do on socials yes there's you know some work there is work that goes into that and curating that and but we i think we would be remiss if we didn't just kind of acknowledge the fact that people literally couldn't do anything and we became like a huge a huge thing that became part of people's day-to-day week-to-week at a really uncertain time yeah when we were looking to close down at artifact um we by then in five months we developed our regulars, our locals that would come on their walk. I remember one of our busiest weekends being when it snowed, because people yeah, were so people excited out, to get yeah, out yeah. into the snow and they knew they had smell, they could get a drink, and they want a hot coffee, a hot, a a hot coffee, <laughs> and then go for a walk in the snow. Um, those were the days where we were like, no one's going to come in, and we were just <laughs> swept off our feet. So it's fine. We, we, we can open a bit late. Yeah, there's so much that we couldn't predict because it's everything was against the grain because because of lockdown. Lockdown was such a weird time. And yeah, for the, for three months, it was you could only go out for a walk. When we opened, you could go for a walk with one person from another household. Like, do, do we remember that time? That feels like... Yeah, no, I there. remember it. Um, so we were on people's routes. Um, and then we got chatting to people. We made a decision to allow people to come in at one point we were thinking of doing um service at the door because that's what a lot of places were doing um and it was actually leo that said no like be at the coffee machine taking orders because people will want to come in and and chat to you guys and so we were like okay we'll do that and we did and we we made friends with people that were in the local neighborhood and actually that was probably one of the most moving things to happen at the close of the artifact pop-up because everybody came in to say their goodbyes mm. and people were like thank you so much they were they were um paula one of my favorites she was a, she had a baby during lockdown like my sister in dubai who I've not, I've not met my niece yet she had a baby really cut off from her family she's from poland um her husband works at the qe so she was really limited in who she could have contact with and she said there were some days when you two were the only people i would speak to so that was very moving mm. uh, i cried <laughs> um and that for me was quite a humble moment because it it reminded me of why we do what we do um, what our values are and just quite the impact that just our, our little coffee and cake shop had on people's lives and we won't forget that um and that i think will keep us grounded in whatever we do next for us coffee and cake is community rather than anything else it's about and we're in a neighborhood now where we're meeting new people mm-hmm. our friends from Sturchley are still coming to see us yeah you're not um, far from Sturchley. we're part there. of people nice the, the fabric of that community there. yeah yeah we, it, Paula was our our first customer yeah, through first the regular. door, yeah. like at our first tiny pop up at Verbena. She was the first person through the door to come and see us, yeah. and she was one of the first people to come and see us when we were at Sturchley. And she continues to come and see us now. Um, all of the all of the sort of the branding around pause and like why it's called pause. I mean, Farah did an absolute blinding job on like 
the branding and making us look as as professional as we definitely weren't <laughs> at the start. <laughs> oh, I don't know what a nice looking uh, nice looking brand. Um, but that idea of like stopping, you pause, you take a moment, and that level of normality that going and grabbing a coffee and a cake represents is is wholly cemented in like what we're trying to do and i don't think there's any ever gonna be a time where that will disappear Mm. because it we are like our origin story is at a time where like we saw like a peak in loneliness across like the entire world yeah and we opened a thing where we were just kind of we genuinely just wanted to be like hey come in for a chat come on come on yeah Mm. come come in for some some community some care but some it coffee was, and cake. But yeah. it was called pause because people couldn't stop. They couldn't yeah. stay, they couldn't come in, they couldn't sit in. It was just a mo- like a, a brief pause. And that's why we called it pause. Um, because it sort of def- like reflected the nature of our pop-up. Um, mm. And the name, people seemed to really like it. We it's weren't sure if we were going to keep it. Thank you. Mm. So we'll keep it. But th- that that's why um, Chloe, Rory and I were sat around a table. I was like, what should we call it? Um, and that, that's how we came up with it. It was because people can't stay for now. You were in Sturtshire at like a time where like it felt like a wave had just come in. Like it, all of a sudden great things had started happening in, in Sturtshire. Like yeah. how, does it, how did it feel to be a part of that? Incredible. It, it definitely was. There was such a buzz around mm. Sturtshire and there still is. There still is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We, we, we were there for dinner, I think, two weeks ago. And yeah. just people spilling out onto the street and just chatting and there's music and yeah. it, it's lovely. I think, yeah, we definitely felt really, really lucky to be there again. I think um, we wouldn't have had the response that we had from anywhere but Sturgeley because people from Sturgeley love to get behind independence. They love to support their high street and they're really interested in people too. It's, it's not so much about, um, I don't think it's about the product or the name. It's just... They, it's it's a it's a proper community. Yeah, it's got a proper it's got a proper village feel to it. Yeah. Even though it's like lovely. most of it comes off like it's just roads coming off one big major road on the Pershore Road, like that that whole area. Like what we were when we talked about when we were gonna like look for somewhere to do. Yeah. The the pop up and 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 be pause. Um, I guess for like the first time, it just one of the first places that I said was like Sturchley is just crying out for something here and the only reason that, and that had nothing to do with like what we thought of ourselves it was the fact that you've got like you've got Ming and Eat Vietnam over here you've got the guys from uh, Alicia the Micro Bake House you've got Josh at Glass House up the road and then you've got the guys at Attic and it's just it's all just start of building and building and building and I don't actually think we've, as long as things don't change too quickly outside of like the businesses that people own, I think Sturchley is it can like it's really just going to keep keep yeah. taking off. Well, it's my like, favourite place to go out at the moment. Sturchley, yeah. I love it. Like, eat Vietnam's just one of my favourite restaurants. Couch and all the people there. There's like, so couch many people. Is my Cou- favourite bar that, Cou- couch, sorry, in the world is like the. Could, because we were next door for them for five months, mm. the level of support that we received from the team at Couch, um, and just them coming in, yes, they'd grab cake and a coffee and stuff, but actually, 
the chats that we would have, the little insights they'd give us, the the they gave us like the lay of the land and what Sturchley was like and a little window into the community. The the support that we got from Couch was monumental in, in our in our success because when people would want to come like on a Saturday, they'd open early. If they didn't have any seats, they'd just send people our way. And in the same way, we would talk about them when their doors were closed and there was this lovely sort of symbiotic relationship between us. And it also helps that they're absolutely unbelievably brilliant people. Yeah. Like, they're the nicest people. Mm. No, it's, it's um, the nicest... It's not just the nicest drinks. It's just the nicest bar to be in because they're mm. so friendly. I, I I know them now, but before I didn't know them, it was so, like... You'd just get chatting about anything and they'd sing in and joking. It's like talk about couch for hours yeah, <laughs> yeah. The it's brilliant um uh, my favorite bit my favorite couch memory was when they had i think uh, casey had a thousand cocktail and snack boxes oh, to God, get yeah. out because somebody put in a mass order for an event they were doing virtually so she had to send out the you know the delivery boxes of of drinks and snacks um verbena made the snacks so chloe had to make a thousand gougere um but they physically didn't have enough space in their shop so verbena couch and we had were like floor to ceiling (laughs) these boxes and katie would come in every like couple of hours with like a clipboard to make more notes and just go okay that's what that's there that's there that's there and then do the same next door and for me that encapsulates the sturgeley spirit of like everybody working together and helping each other um however they can and there's none of like this is our shop and this like we were in somebody else's space, mm-hmm. um, but there's just that collective spirit which I think is what makes it actually so great. Well, I think it's in a great spot as well. The fact that you're not likely to get any chain places really there because everything there is quite but a very small vocal. Sort of yeah, spot. yeah. I think Tesco have been trying to get in, Costa have been trying, oh, but it just it just wouldn't Costa go well. Everywhere. Yeah. But there's there's a thing about how. Specifically in Birmingham, how the the um, the wards of Birmingham have developed, right? And it literally it's the same thing every time. And this is my this is like my worry for Sturchley, is that what you do is you get artists and creatives move to an area when it's quite cheap because that's what they can afford to live in. Mm. They build all of that like community and like like faith in each other. And then little independent businesses start popping up. And because they want to support them, they go and support them. So those businesses start doing a little bit better. Then you get like the uh, like more more independent businesses from Birmingham seeing that and people starting to travel in and then everybody else starts traveling in because they want to come to this new space like Mosley, for example, like King's Heath. And then because the footfall is there, all the big chains start coming in. So they go, cool, well, there's loads and loads of people walking around here. We can justify putting a Costa, a KFC or whatever on this street. And then house prices start going up. And then those artists and those creatives who kind of like start that and those people who are all about community then get displaced to move to somewhere else. Mm. So I, I saw it in Mosley, I saw it in Kings Heath and I'm seeing it now in Sturchley and the big fear is, is now having been part of the tapestry of just such a wonderful, beautiful part of Birmingham is that, and because of things like social media, like things blow up way quicker than when Mosley started taking off, right? Yeah. You know, um, the worry there is is that hopefully that Sturchley can hold on to that that thing that makes Sturchley so Sturchley. I think it's got the advantage that everything's a small shop. 
There's yeah, not many big true. spaces there yeah. to, to put a big Costa. Mm. There's not that sort of volume of shops that are just too big where they think who like a Weatherspoons aren't going to open there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nowhere big enough or an old bank or anything there, there that they can steal. It's going to be a, a chicken shop. Look, it happens to Mosley. The Costa seems to take over in the best building there, and people still go out in Mosley. There's still There's like twelve there. coffee shops now in Mosley. Yeah, and I know that. I know that one coffee shop, one like one of the indies in Birmingham, wanted to go into Mosley, and it got like vetoed by the Mosley community. Because obviously, you slap the sign up in the window saying, "Hey, we're going to be opening one of these. If you've got an issue, could you just give us a call?" Yeah. yeah. And Mosley were like, "We've we've got enough fucking coffee <laughs> shops. Places, we've just yeah. got too many. Um, give us retail. Give us something where we can actually like we, we've got enough like restaurants and hospitality venues." Give us something. Give well, us something. The other thing you were saying, the community sort of vibe dies when there isn't shops to fucking go and actually buy anything other than food or drink. Yeah. Well, one of our customers did one of my favourite stories that we reshared um, of their Sturchley Hall. So the thing to do on a weekend in Sturchley is to go to everywhere and buy something. So you go to loaf and get bread. You go to pause and get a cinnabuffin, um, and make your you get a sandwich from Can Eat. Um, and you work your way down and get beers from Attic or I don't know um, any of the other breweries. Uh, but somebody posted a picture of their Saturday haul, and um, I shared it on our story. And one of my customers replied and went, "Oh look, they've completed Sturchley, <laughs> like it's Monopoly." <laughs> yeah, I used to like doing that. Though. I like to go to Sturchley and try them all. They're, yeah, I like, yeah. I'm obsessed with them in it with the uh, chicken and waffles from. Oh, <gasps> Aren't they just amazing? Chances, chances. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chances Cafe. Unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. With that fudge sauce as well. Not yeah. too sweet, yeah. sweet enough. With it. the, is it Chantilly Green? Hands down, best best waffles in Birmingham. Mm. Yeah, big fan. I really want to try the Chinese food. Yes. Oh, yeah. As well. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah, great, that stuff. Yeah. Really good. Um, Problem for us is Sturgeon's quite far for us. It's not too bad for you to drive, but if I go with the missus, mm. it's like, Next to Harborn, it's the f- about as far away as I can get anything in Birmingham away from where I live. <laughs> oh god! So the Miss Schwann's always like, right, if we're going, we're going to make the most of going. <laughs> so we go yeah, for like, a day, day and make sure we go for lunch and dinner and yeah. try every bar. That I, w- there was a... Is couch your crush then for in between? <laughs> couch is like I've got to go. Like I'd always try and there's no point in me going anywhere after couch. I've I mean, how ca- how I've can gone you somewhere after and it's just been a nightmare because the last time I went there. Between me and my wife, I think we nearly completed the cocktail menu. Which, wow. Because they were changing it soon, and I was like, right, well, I've got to just <laughs> complete it. There's your friends. <laughs> Try and complete it. We got, I think we had, we got through 13 cocktails. I went, I went, I remember a night where I actually met up with you at Couch, where I'd been to Kilda beforehand. Yeah. And somebody had bought me like some ridiculous 12.5% stout at the end so i was feeling a little bit wavy and then i got to couch and the evening just descended into madness that was Shit. the night that i learned that rory could sing i'd known him for <laughs> nearly three years and i didn't know that he could belt out queen yeah in perfect harmony really good yeah that's funny because we'd heard that so we'd actually planned oh really podcast. yeah cue the music man cue it <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> We're lucky in Shirley. We've got a cracking coffee place, haven't we? Is it Bora? Yeah. Yeah. I love Bora. I've got a mate who lives in Shirley, and I told her that Bora was there, and she's from Barcelona. And she was like, 
but I'll, I'll try it. I'll, I'll see if it's any good. And I'm like, honestly, it's fine. I'm, I'm giving you, like, I'm saying <laughs> that I, appro- I approve of this place. <laughs> Go and drink some coffee. Because um, as you can imagine, like, because I'm insufferable when it comes to coffee if like if somebody's like do you want to go get a coffee there's like a list of places that i'll go is there an actual yeah. physical rory's approved list um i don't think there's an approved list <laughs> i think there is however like if you ask me where to go like i probably got like a few just off the top of my head where but it's specific like there's certain things i'll go for at certain places yeah um and that's you know that that's just because I'm in Egypt, like I'm just like I wouldn't go here for this, but I'll go here for that. You know, <laughs> this um, is completely antidotal and very generalistic. But I found a lot of the time, a lot of European, well, any Europeans that I've spoken to and Australians really think they don't think we have a decent coffee scene. They're what? always slagging up our coffee scene like we don't know coffee. So I agree with them. I yeah. actually, I actually agree with okay. them. It's um, <laughs> so uh, shots which, fired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I'm, look. So this isn't a Birmingham thing. I'm going to say this right now so nobody gets like super angry and offended. Um, but the UK, everyone thinks the UK has like this blindingly brilliant UK, like coffee scene. And the reason for that is, is we've got a great marketing department. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's just we, we, are, we talk about ourselves being like the authority of, of things very easily. And there are so many coffee coffee shops not even like coffee cultures like that are just killing it on a level that we just aren't at the moment because it's it's not just about running your business it's the passion that underlies it there's a different metric if you go to east asia um the you know there are several like i was lucky enough to see the indonesian coffee culture in like like work and it, it is a job it's a passion. It's a craft. So when people go to work, they are putting everything that they can into making every single drink, making every drink matter. And I, I, I see that very, very infrequently, um, kind of in the UK, not because of the work that people are doing, but because it's not treated with the same amount of respect. Like for uh, coffee shop jobs here tend to be a little bit like stop gaps. You get a lot of, so what do you really do? what are you studying are you studying at university what are you doing next it's not actually you can't just sit there and go well no this is what i do for a living yeah um it's a bit like bartending like and yeah yeah it's like you'd ask a bar member of bar staff what what are you doing at uni and they're like no this is my job (laughs) yeah this is what i do yeah so i worked at when i worked at urban coffee there was a woman sat with who i can only assume was her daughter and i put drinks down on their table and they were talking about university and as uh, i turned away to walk off uh her mother kind of gestured at me and said if you don't try harder at university you'll end up like him (laughs) like that's the (laughs) yeah yeah um that's it's it's very it's a very it's a very different mentality you know even like you go to ireland if you work in a bar and you're a bar manager that's a that's a respectable job you can list that alongside any other profession and people go yeah cool yeah no worries why wouldn't you here there's like a hierarchy of jobs that just Mm. don't like because we've got a ridiculous class system and it's just embedded into absolutely everything in society i'm not sure it's a little bit of that but then i think Oh no! Yeah, I, I, as somebody that went from law to baking, I can assure you there is there is a snobbery about it. Yeah. The number of people that turned around to me and said, "When are you going to get a proper job again?" 
is staggering. Um, yeah, I, I get comments all the time that even might be well-meaning, but are really insulting. And it's, I find it infuriating because I feel more fulfilled than ever. Yeah, this is my craft. It's my passion. And some people um, look at it completely. It's creative now. work. Yeah, and I, I, I take a great deal of pride in what I do. Um, and I'm really happy with what I do. And I love my work. I love the work that I'm producing at the moment for pause. They make those comments and I don't think most people mean it. I think, no, I think it's ingrained. not thinking too much about it. It's just ingrained. Yeah, they'll, they'll say it, we'll not think about it, but it stays with me for a while when you're going to get a proper job. Um, and I'm like, have a vacation now. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to, um, to... To go back to what you said before, just so I don't just leave like a horrible taste in some people's mouth, I do think that the UK has got like a really like solid coffee scene. I just think that people put it very, very high up on a list. And actually, when you compare it to other cities or other places in the world where like, you know, like Melbourne's got 5,000 high-end coffee shops just in the city. Like, that's an incredible culture that's obviously going to have like huge variation. But the number of great coffee shops in that should statistically and is better than a lot of the stuff that we have in the uk because of it i don't think that i, I do think that there are a lot of people who are really pushing in the uk mm. but if the if the consumer interest isn't there if we're a bit we're we're, we're a, a nation of tea drinkers mainly and there's like a big thing to go against whereas in the states because they all drink like that percolator diner coffee mm in a lot of places when they were like hi hi like high-end quality coffee people were like yeah cool we can get on board with that same in like norway and sweden and um japan like mm. all of those places have like a bedrock to kind of go somewhere with we're still trying to go like maybe don't have a syrup in your coffee guys <laughs> do you know yeah. what i mean well, you don't need whipped cream on it like there's yeah. there's a there's a big difference there but you even say with tea drinkers which we do get called all over the place and i'd go through plenty of cups of tea in a day but we don't have anywhere good to go and get good fucking tea either. Oh, people don't want to pay <laughs> like, for it no either. There's no good yeah. tea shop. <laughs> I, agree I can't think you. of anywhere to go and I'll go, oh, their tea's amazing. Like, yeah. it doesn't... I like, No, I've got twining things breakfast at home. I'll just have that. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm a Yorkshire. I used to have the yeah. Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Yeah, I like Yorkshire. Um, okay. My wife like, said yeah, it was a bit too... Sh mm. oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think people don't really want to go out and pay for a cup of tea either, which I think is a real shame because, you know, you've got Asian countries where you've got tea ceremonies. Yeah. You can elevate anything. You really can. And I think... Well, what we get in our tea bags is what they just sweep up off the floor <laughs> in good tea shops. It is. It's, it's just, that, it's yeah. that yeah. dust. Just say that like it's a fact. No, it is. Like watch the program know. on it. Yeah, it's a program. Um, Which fun program, so. <laughs> My dad went to India and he went on about it. He brought back some great tea. Yeah, but like, said, I've, well, I've been to... the bags here, it's just crap off the floor, basically. I've, I've a friend who calls... This, I have yeah. a friend who genuinely calls, like, Kenko and Nescaf and all of, like, the instant coffees. Call, um, she's Australian and she refers to it as leaves and twigs. Because she's just like, it's just bits. It's just bits. It is a disgrace, the instant coffee. Is there a good instant coffee, Roy? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> um, I can't. The thing I so I used to be. I used to be like really prescriptive. When like when you start anything, you start learning loads, and you get like to think at some point, especially you know, being a white guy, that like you become an authority on on something. And I was like, I used to be like super prescriptive, and I really try to dissuade people from ordering certain things. And it, and it's and it's not on. Like it's not. You know, this was like nine years ago when I started doing all of this sort of stuff. And now it's 
my my mindset's changed. It's like if you can make somebody the thing that they want, like the best version of the thing that they want, with the stuff that you have to hand. Yes, you've got like a a brand and you've got all of the drinks that you are happy with. But like, how how inclusive can you be with that menu? You know, because as Farah said before, you know, like it's you know there's community in, in what we do, and actually you can't really be about community if you're just saying to people like like berating people like mm. it's if you want to educate people do it do it gently like give the information's there if they want it if somebody just wants to come in and go can you make me a a latte with two sugars absolutely yeah because that's what you want and, and really you're paying yeah yeah you can you can have that drink um, i quite like a zero i think that's a good instant coffee yeah yeah that's a good one yeah the tin the metal tin <laughs> <laughs> annoys him so oh. much I asked him to make me an Azira once. Well, I had to ask how many teaspoons. I've, I'd like, yeah. I had to ask, like, like I was like, so is it two teaspoons? <laughs> On the flip side of that, though, it's quite difficult to get, like, even, like, we're spending quite a few pounds on a decent coffee machine. It's quite hard still to get a decent coffee at home. Like, yeah. Unless you're spending, like, thousands. Yeah. No? You disagree? I think it's knowing what to do with it. That's mm. the. It's. I think it's. Yeah, we yeah. borrowed. I felt like the pressure though, kind of wasn't it something to do with the pressure? Wasn't yeah, it? I think it's an education thing. Like you can, when people will, somebody will sell you a four hundred pound machine, but not tell you how to use it, and that I think that's the issue. I think you could probably use an espresso, and get like you can get good pods from Kelowna, for example, and get like better quality of coffee with the same equipment. I'm so impressed by the way like I've learned so I've learned much things. about baking and I think like you've learned so much about coffee throughout this that actually if you've got any baking questions I am willing to have a go um it's just you are 100% yeah um we're gonna do lessons so if you want to come in for a lesson what have you got what do you have at home to make coffee you know what I use at the minute just yeah. because it's purely simple yeah is uh I have a grinder yeah so I buy um whole beans and then I grind, and then I've got a French press. No, amazing. I love a French press. Um, we we also sell whole beans. Um, <laughs> no, um, it's um, a French press is is brilliant because it it's such an you can get you can brew them well, you can brew them badly, and actually the difficulty from going from a maybe a worse cup of coffee to a better cup of coffee mm. is actually surprisingly easy. It's all about time because it's all contained in one thing. Mm. The longer you leave it, the more it's going to extract. So you can set a timer and then pour a bit out, taste it. If you know it tastes good at two minutes, three minutes, yeah, that's it. Ten years ago, I thought there was no science to using a French press. There was nothing that you needed to measure. You did the scoops that the coffee came with, left it for however long we wanted to leave it, and then you got your coffee and then you added milk to it because uh, it didn't taste good. Um, but I, I actually went to a class at, I think, at Quarter Horse on... Um, brewing um using immersion methods so an aeropress and a french press and then a v60 and then i had a lesson from rory on a chemex um i think about six months later and just an hour for each class um it completely changed the way that i made coffee using the equipment i already had yeah i watched it i mean other than that obviously that's the best way of doing it but i just watched a youtube video i can't remember the dude's name mm -hmm. james james hoffman yeah there we go. yeah uh, yeah i know james yeah i um, watched that video and it, that's how i brew my coffee and it, i'm happy enough with that i mean it's definitely Perfect. not on the same level as going to yourselves and getting a decent latte or a flat white sure but but it starts your day right doesn't it 
It's better than no, it's crap, any yeah. kind of jar of coffee. It's it's better than no coffee. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, that, you know. And also, there's they say they say there's a right way and a wrong way to to brew coffee, right? You ask, you know, you can watch videos by James Hoffman. You can ask someone like me in a coffee shop. At the end of the day, can we all just agree that it's personal preference? Yeah. People go to places that they enjoy because they go in, they eat a a, a brilliant cake, or they and they might drink a, a good coffee and they go i like it here so i'm going to come back like nobody tells you that it's good or not you're basically just trying you're just like eating and drinking something that somebody thinks is the best way to create that thing mm-hmm. and if you like it you go back and if nobody's going you probably realize that actually the things that you prefer aren't the things that most people like yeah so if you make your coffee at home in a french press and it's like you're not you, you're you're not timing it. You're not weighing it. You're not using a certain amount of, of coffee, um, but you enjoy it. Then you're doing it the right way because ultimately you're the one who's going to drink it. Yeah, you know. So. Where do maca pots rate? Are they good? Because that's what I use. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The stove tops. Yeah, yeah. they're um, yeah. Once again, like, do you enjoy them? Yeah. Then they're brilliant. I make super <laughs> strong coffee with it, like half coffee, half milk. Yeah. Like that. There are people, like, you can go into certain coffee shops, even here in Birmingham, and if you name a certain brewing method, they're either going to be like, oh, yeah, no, it's really good, or they'll be like, no, that's that's disgusting. No, that's a terrible method. Ultimately, if you enjoy it, the reason you've asked is because you want to have a conversation about that thing. Why are you making feel, people feel bad about what they want to drink? If somebody comes to see us at Pause and asks for, a like, like, a caramel latte, we don't stock any syrups, but we've got some things on the menu that are, like, slightly sweeter little bit richer um that are still like stuff that we would drink that we regularly will drink but just you know there's no there's there's no syrup you don't have to be a dick about it is what we're trying to say (laughs) i'm trying to say it really nicely nicely, you don't have to be a dick about it and like we are so committed to not being dicks to our customers because we've all i've been at the brunt of it loads you probably less so because you work in the industry but i've been into coffee shops and been made to feel really stupid yeah. and i hate that it. mcdonald's advert was, they were, they were, i've come across places like them they yeah. do you remember the advert? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was yeah. there were two schools of thought about that advert like just purely from coffee people and baristas what some of them were going how dare they they're punching down and this is awful and then the other half were going some of you are taking this far too seriously yeah, yeah. like you need to like go out and like breathe a little bit like one thing that's really 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 important to me is that um our our coffee shop is a space that's like inclusive for everybody and not just like one type of person or one personality or one sect of society like it has to be inclusive and accessible to everyone um because i'm like a woman of color and when i started drinking you know good coffee everywhere in birmingham was um cishet white men hipsters that look a certain way and speak a lot not all of them a lot of them spoke down to me so when i was asking questions about coffee i didn't actually know much about coffee until i met rory because what i like about him is that he's not arrogant about coffee and he's really nice and i wish more people were like that and i've made a conscious decision and we have made a decision together that um that's something we're going to try and correct in pause um, and make it accessible. So if people come in and go, can I have a, a ice caramel latte? We're not going to be like, what? 
and then and then make them feel bad like that's that's rubbish that ruins their day and there's no need to put that energy out there and if i were on the receiving end of it i'd feel so small and i'd never go back and it'd put me off and i'd go maybe i will just go back to starbucks which is fine also but if somebody's coming into a specialty coffee shop and they don't know much about coffee there is no reason to belittle that person you can be nice and warm and welcoming Mm. and explain as we do very nicely we don't use syrups because we use a certain grade of coffee and the syrup would mask the taste of the coffee but we can make you a Hemingway we can make you a nice Spanish would you like to give it a try and we Let can us even, know what can, you think. We can even put just like a little bit of sugar in the bottom of your um, coffee, just a lot, like to balance it out a bit. And those are conscious decisions, like built into like our menu, the way that we speak to customers. Um, the like our our menu is entirely vegetarian, most of it's vegan. Um, again, to make it accessible, so that people that have got dietary requirements, they don't feel out of place, or they don't feel like there isn't something for them. If somebody's a baptized Sikh, they can come in and have a cinnabuffin because that's not got any egg in it. Like you know, it's it's designed to be accessible um and those conversations that we have are really really important and the day i think the day that we ever belittle somebody or make them feel bad for the choices they make like pauses over like it's not it, it was designed with purpose yeah, it goes against your whole philosophy 100 percent, yeah um it's because it's not nice to be in the end of it our friend anisha went to nottingham with her girlfriend um went into a coffee shop and i think her girlfriend asked for some, what did she ask for it was like some oh, ridiculous, like a, mock, a like syrupy a mock, drink, yeah. basically. Yeah. And they basically shafted her out of the shop. And it just literally ruined her whole day and ruined her trip to Nottingham. Like, it's just like no, drink literally no need. Uh, yeah. like <laughs> the, and there's, so, there's so much in that, isn't it? Because like, you've got like, a group, you've got people who obviously don't get, like, think, feel like they don't get taken seriously enough in the job that they have. So they really get into like the the heady sort of like cerebral sciencey side of coffee, but then they bring a lot of arrogance with it. Um, like we have like um, several people who work alongside us at Pause who you know do like the odd shift here and there, and they um, and if they mess up, yes, like it's a drink that I'm I'm super passionate about and I enjoy and I like to I get very enthusiastic and I love to talk to customers about, but then when you get it wrong. Just take a step back and realise that it's just a coffee. Like, just take that moment to realise, like, nobody died. Like, nobody, like, you haven't, like, you haven't scolded anyone. Like, there's a lot worse things that can happen in a coffee shop. Um, th- th- it's it, it's a drink, you know. And then with, like, you know, when you're, you're talk- when, when Farah's talking about, you know, like, people just go back to Starbucks and Costa. As much as we, like, we can, like, not like those companies... What we do wouldn't be possible without them. They opened up a market mm. in the same way that, like, I don't think you could have Michelin, like, food or restaurants if you didn't have, like, McDonald's. Like, yeah. people, like, the idea of going out and having food and the ritual of all of that. The reason we're able to have, like, higher quality stuff is because, like, there's a lot more um, available, like, on lots of different levels. Yeah. Um, the difference being that, obviously, like, even the top end of co- like coffee shops things are more accessible money wise than than in in other areas but there's always going to be a parallel there's always another side to whatever the business is that you're running and you probably need them you probably need them to be around because if costa and starbucks weren't around we'd have to explain to everybody what a latte was yeah we'd have to explain what a flat white was 
So like those those adverts and stuff like that, they in some ways they're quite helpful. Yeah, that's good. I've got to find out. Did your friend like Bora? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did. Yeah, sitting there, I've been thinking. <laughs> yeah, on, I didn't know if she well, likes it or not. Why wouldn't she? Bora is great. <laughs> yeah, Bora is fantastic. I've never yeah. been. I would like to go. It's yeah. very good. Okay. It's good. The cake. I think I like their mm. as much as. Else. Yeah, they give a lot of the money back. And... Yeah, they're always in like uh, Africa and stuff doing charity work. And... Oh, wow. They're really good. Yeah, they are really good. But it really pissed me off. There's a Costa over the road, and I'm just like, why have you gone there? You could have just gone here. This is an amazing coffee shop just here. <laughs> and you cross the road said, though, to go to a, fucking Costa. It's a gateway. Maybe they start on the Costa and then eventually make their way across the yeah. road. Yeah, it's it a gateway. Well, I, I, used to, I started off in Nero. We all started. Then I went to Starbucks, uh, and then I went to. Yorks, yeah, Urban, Six Eight, Faculty briefly, Quarter Horse, Saint. Pause. So you went from trying a coffee <laughs> to owning a coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, Slippery slope. Yeah. Watch out. Be careful. I think um, Yorks was my gateway as well into independent yeah. coffee. I just really liked their handwritten sign in the window. I think it was beer, coffee, and pizza. Yeah. I was like, two of those things are my jam. <laughs> and then uh, Saint. I was in Saint today, actually. Great coffee. So good. Yeah, Great food. So, the bagels. Lady, oh, I had two today. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> the, the, the pastrami ones. I had, because um, I, I was on a course around the corner from there. So I had breakfast before I went into the course. I had the bacon one, mm. which was unbelievable. Avocado and stuff. And then I had the Reuben for lunch. Yeah. What you, happy day? You need a knife and fork. You, like, and I felt like an idiot eating a bag of a knife and fork, but it's that messy. Like, and I've got a beard, and I was in like a meeting, so I was like, oh, man, I, I don't need that mess. But unbelievable. And their coffee's really good. Yeah. And and Lydia, their staff are super friendly as well. Yeah, so Lydia and I used to work together at Urban Coffee yeah. for a very for like a very small amount of time. And um, But what she's done with Saint, and I, I used to know Will, who owned... Saint before that, and I don't know if you know, but Jeff, who owns faculty, used to own, was the original proprietor of Saint Didn't when it was that, called man. Saint uh, Saint Coffee, Saint Cafe. So Jeff used to own it, and then a guy called Will Banks had it, and then that's kind of where everybody kind of got used to the idea that they did like good food, mm. and people would go along. And then Lydia's taken it over and added just like a whole new level. Yeah. To it. I loved it when it was saying cafe, and I thought the breakfast was incredible. And then when Lydia bought it, I didn't think she could make it better, but she did. Mm. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Like she, the the fact that they prepare everything in house, like all they make all their bagels, they make the pastrami, they're making all their mm. sauces. Like it's a huge amount of work, but God, it it makes such a huge difference. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's so I'm good. Well I think it's my favourite coffee shop to go to. That's not ours. Yeah, I would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I mean, I. <laughs> I mean, for what we do at the shop, I think Saint is my favourite coffee shop yeah, to go yeah, to. Um, uh, yeah, just it kind of feels closer to like what they have in Melbourne and that kind of thing. The, yeah, the food is great, the coffee is great, and the service is super warm and friendly. You feel totally at ease there. Um, I actually, I used to work with a couple of the women who work there now um, at different venues in Birmingham. And when I found out that they joined the team at St. Kitchen, I was like, now I have to go because I love their personalities. I love how they create safe space for people. So like um, like uh, Nat, who works there, and Izzy, who incidentally is also an illustrator and did like all of our like signage, like all of our menus and our, a our a frames, are people I've known for years. And they're just, they're just brilliant. They're just great people. Like Lydia's just taken it 
taking it to really a place cool. that's really You've been beautiful. to her place in Lebington? No, it's always been so Warwick busy. Street. Yeah, Warwick Street Kitchen's great. Really busy. Lebington's great for coffee. Pardon? It's next to Libertine. So. Yeah, it's yeah. dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lemmington's, I, I think, really underrated for... It's a cracking little place. It's so it? great it's for coffee. We had a day where we just went, I think we went to Spa Town, Work Street Kitchen. It's just a great place to just while away a day and have, like, some good food, go for a walk, get some coffee. It's really nice. Like, going for food is, like, a is like the best adventure, right? Going for food and cake and coffee and all of that sort of stuff. Like, going out and being like, we're going to see what we get we're just going to pick an area. We know it's got like a few independents in it. We're just going to go and have a have a have a look. And then I ended up having a conversation with like the head barista at Spa Town, mm. who was like super excited that people had come in to like talk coffee. <laughs> um, um, and the and yeah, like uh, Warwick Street Kitchen was just delicious. That was the day you taught me about how to taste coffee. Oh yeah, yeah we had filters, yeah. and I didn't know you could do coffee tasting. Every day's a school day. In the sense that they do a coffee tasting there. No, no. If you go somewhere with Rory, you will do a coffee tasting (laughs) without it being part of any structured day. I want to say that I'm not a caricature of myself. He's like, I'm getting blueberries. And I was like, what? It's a coffee. And he was like, no, you can taste it because we had filters. I'd never had a filter coffee before. Uh, So I pretended to know what I was talking about. I had no idea. I totally guessed it. I got it all wrong, but he was so polite that he was like, oh, yeah, no, I can... I can see how you might think that. <laughs> that takes takes a while to develop that kind of because I was yeah. I was like uh, I read the uh, the description that comes on the beans and I'm like I just guess yeah. if you say so yeah 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 <laughs> um, okay <laughs> there's a there's a fine line because like some coffee places if you buy coffee from some places they'll slap anything on the bag if they'll make you if it'll make you buy it mm. and you, it's just, that's just taking a gamble and trying to buy some coffee and stuff. But you're right, it, do, it does take a while. So I used to work as um, a barista and also as like a roaster for, uh, I don't know if you've been to Ngopi in the centre of town, the Indonesian cafe. Mm. If you haven't been, it's an absolute must. Yeah. Um, it's Indonesian owned. All the coffees they use are Indonesian. They roast in-house themselves. So they're actually a roaster. They've got a one kilo roaster in the window that they only use on Sundays. The food is phenomenal. Like it's all, like it's a, it's a whole Indonesian menu. Um, and it's a ju- just a good place to like lose an afternoon, like trying a load of stuff. But it, but in roasting, you have to learn how to like. It's a way of really kind of like honing your tasting ability because you're looking for tastes that you don't want in coffee as much as figuring out what it tastes like. Because if you're the person roasting it, you have to be like, okay, it tastes like these things. Put that on the bag because then you can sell it to people accurately. So like when we're buying coffee for pause. Um, you know, I'm looking at the notes on the coffees and stuff and we're going, right, that sounds good. And also I know what Farah likes as well in terms of coffee. And then I also know what she's baking. So we're making it so that they complement each other. If I know that you're working on a load of new Cinnabuffin flavours and I know what they are, the coffees are going to reflect that. The coffees are going to, they're not going to taste the same. They're going to have contrasting flavours, but they're going to be complementary. Because you don't roast your own coffee. Yeah, no, no, we don't. So you get it, do you get it local or? Um, so we shop up and down the UK at the moment. Mm. Um, we don't. We get a few bits that are a little bit more local, but are just personally, I like that level of choice and showcasing lots of different roasteries because I think it shows your customers 
that there is a breadth of knowledge here that's undiscovered and actually if you want to dip your toe in and and learn more we're here to have that conversation um so i mean currently we have some coffee from obadiah in edinburgh which are a brilliant little roastery there um we've had stuff from a hundred house who we love who are out in Shropshire and they do some fantastic coffees they're really really great um and they supported us with like our equipment and everything as well which is great you seen that one in um snowdonia um i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation it's d-y-f-i D-Y-F-I. They've got, they've got a roastery like right on the uh, coast up in Snowdon. Now, I've always told myself I'm going to go there. but That's really cool. I hadn't heard of that, no. From there. It's really nice. Really good. Yeah, really good. I'm, I'll message them and get some samples in. Yeah, I'll we'll send you the link to there. That'd be great, Instagram, yeah. yeah. I think we get like different coffee in what, every 10 days or so. Yeah. Um, What's cool about it is, um, um, so coffee grows seasonally over the course of the year so like different countries will produce at different times of the year so quite often at the moment we're getting a lot of natural costa rican in and so lots of different roasteries will buy the same coffee and then you when you get it in you're like oh it tastes completely different based on how different people have roasted it Mm. so i find that quite interesting because every time you're like oh we've got this these are the tasting notes i'm like it's another natural costa rican but tastes completely different i find that fascinating Um, because it's that human input that's that's changed what is essentially the same raw product. And I think that's really cool. Uh, so over the course of the year, like where our coffee comes in from will change depending on what's in season. Um, and yeah, that's really awesome. But yeah, it's cool. We get to showcase loads of like UK roasteries. Uh, we'd like to get stuff in from Europe. I really like Drop Coffee. Um, are they Copenhagen? Um, Stockholm. Stockholm. Um, Gardelli is an Italian roaster, which is, does really cool coffee. Yeah, they're mad. Um, Nomad in Barcelona, who are just absolute fire. Manhattan. From the Netherlands, uh, um, Rotterdam. But it's just quite hard to get stuff in from Europe at the moment. Mm. So that's <laughs> I wonder why. Logistical yeah. oh, issue. Yeah. I um, why. Let's not talk politics. Let's not. Um, <laughs> it's just upsetting. Um, so at the moment, we're focusing on local roasters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In the UK. Do you know what? I instantly regretted asking that question because we've said this before a few times. Local, when you're in England or in the UK, everywhere is pretty much local because we're only a small we're country tiny <laughs> mm. yeah, so it's like, yeah of course it's local i think that's what i was meaning was do you use a different variety of different places yeah, we, yeah like every week one, yeah. um he's getting coffee in from different places yeah. Yeah, obadiah was the most um um <laughs> so because i'm a child every time he said i've got coffee in from obadiah i shouted obadiah like it was from iron man <laughs> so it actually took about a week for him to tell me what what coffee we had in because he couldn't get a word in no no, no. i didn't I'd sa- shout obadiah and then start laughing and then walk off and it wasn't that i just kept telling you was I it would just, Costa Rica? i would just say <laughs> i would just say oh Obadiah's got Obadiah like <laughs> to, Tony Stark built this in a cave um, and that was our conversation about coffee for literally five days and then eventually she went I guess I should know what the coffee is that we've got in at the moment and I went yeah but I'm not telling I'm not saying the name anymore this is the type of coffee that we've got in I had to look at the it. email confirmation to see what it ordered <laughs> we yeah. keep it fun yeah so we've yeah. been very coffee orientated yeah, let's I want to hear about the famous Cinnabuffin. How did mm-hmm. that come about? Did you invent them? Or are they a yeah. thing? Yeah, yes, she did. <laughs> and I won't hear her say anything other than this because right. she's going to try and be like super humble about it. Yes, she did. She did She did invent them. Unbelievable. 
Do you like them? Oh, they're Oreos. Oreos in the bucket. Is that I your favourite? Biscoff as well. Biscoff's nice. Yeah, I've had the plain one. That was fantastic. The OG. Thank oh you. my god. We're doing an autumn range soon, so we're going to do coffee and walnut. Don't say there's pumpkin. There's going to be a pumpkin spice latte in a buffet. We were talking about it on the way here actually. Yeah. So I've decided there's going to be a, a cream cheese dip. Okay. To scoop with mm. it. Yeah. Um, so and how then, did it come about? This um, so basically, I, I'd never really made cinnamon bun dough ever. And then I went where, I went to Amsterdam, I think at the end of 2019, um, and had like, um, from Scandinavian embassy, um, I had a cinnamon bun and it was amazing. And I was just like, oh, I really want to, I really want to make one of these. Um, so I came home and just tried making cinnamon rolls as every recipe dictated. So you put it in a tray and then you prove it and you bake mm. it. And they like, they were okay. Um, and then I think I was making some cinnamon buns for um, Civic Square over at Port Loop because I, I had a vegan recipe and they were like, can we have something vegan? Mm. And I was like, I can make these cinnamon buns. And then I had some dough left over and ended up not wanting to throw it away and because they were vegan i've got one of my best friends kindra she's um she doesn't have a lot of dairy so i was like oh it's a vegan item i'm gonna make them into like little buns for her mm. and that's all and it just came out awesome so i then tinkered with that recipe some more um and it sort of became the thinner buffin amazing so yeah <laughs> it was purely purely chance uh, because I didn't have enough dough to put into a regular tray, so I made it in a smaller tray. So what did you just stick them out like one day, thinking we'll see how they go? And then... Yeah, and then like I think there was one day where I couldn't get. Um, basically, I like had a little play with the recipe and the proving time, um, and then managed to get them to like a slightly different texture, um, and people seemed to really like them, so I kept making them. I didn't think they would take off. Are they like your biggest seller? Yeah. It's purely accidental. <laughs> yeah, hungry. Um, you're hungry. <laughs> I should have bought I am some with um, <laughs> Yeah, it was like just a series of events that that led to the Cinnabuffin as as we know it. But they didn't always look like that. Yeah, you know? like you brought some out. There was there was a day where you went, oh, um, I'll. I think we've got enough for today, and you so you left the dough, and then it just went. Phew. And it just, the, the dough just expanded set. like crazy. So I just baked it and I was like, oh, what a waste. And then I tried it on and I was like, oh my God, they taste so good. <laughs> oh, they're even better. Oh, cool. So that's now part of the process. Methods yeah. changed. So like the proving times changed. Um, yeah, that, that was accidental. Having some dough left over was accidental. Wanting to make it for my friend, which was the only reason I, I baked what I had left over um, quickly. Um, led to the Cinnabuffin. There was a stage on the Saturday where you couldn't go on Instagram without seeing a story of a. I'm so sorry. It was brilliant. <laughs> oh, I love it. it was, I live for that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Und- I, <laughs> living through it was in w- was insane. Yeah. Because the amount, because obviously, pe- social media, you, they just people tag you in in it to say that they were there. Yeah. And there were. There were there was like a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday where we just oh it was like the first bank holiday we'd ever done, and it was crazy. It was unbelievably busy. It was a it was brilliant, yeah. but it was also a little bit fly by the seat of your pants, up late like having to like replan and all of that sort of stuff. And the story at one point, you know, when you see some people's stories and it's just dots along the top, 
because yeah. there's so many stories because we would share everybody having a cinnabar food mm-hmm. and everybody was just like there's a picture like they're all like taking selfies with them outside <laughs> the, the, the the shop and everything um like yeah it was it, it was by all the way accident- I, I don't understand why they're so popular i genuinely don't um <laughs> i definitely do yeah that's yeah, no, it's weird. I, I make them because people like them and I enjoy baking them and it's nice to do different flavours. But if I'm totally honest with you, I still don't really understand. You'd rather have a brownie. No, no, no. <laughs> I am... Um... Farrah's like like savoury over sweet. Yeah, n- now, sadly. What? Yeah, become a baker. Um, <laughs> if you want to get rid of your sweet teeth. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm savoury. So I want the um, olive tapenade from Simpsons. Oh, don't. That's I could eat a whole tray oh, of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I day. actually did a, I, I actually did a shift on a Sunday in the restaurant. Leah was like, come come down, just see what it's like. I mean, I'll give you a taste of what real hard work feels like. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler, it's horrible. Um, and I had the, one of the first things I did was was getting the tapenades ready in the morning and the temptation just to be like, <laughs> eat it all. I'll be over there oh, with so these. Nice. They're Brilliant. so good. Oh, God. Uh, fresh out of the oven. Crispy. Brilliant. Um, but I think that's part of the thing that makes you an incredible baker is that because she's leans more towards savory than sweet person, like on a personal level, I've never had a dessert from Farrah in the entire time that we've been doing pours that I was just like, that is like, like on your teeth too sweet when you eat something and you bite into it and you feel it like you feel like the enamel on your teeth disintegrate it's never happened there's a savory edge to everything that she bakes and therein lies like a balance like it's not too sweet it's sweet enough yeah and i think that the temptation for a lot of baking whether it's home or professionally or whatever is that a lot of people lean into like well it's got to be super sweet and it's got to be like there's tons of sugar in it and everything and and i've never found that to be the case with anything you've made i I think it's really odd that i think american bacon gets a really bad rep for being like too sweet if if Mm. you said like really really sweet you think oh like an american dessert but actually i i do use a lot of american recipes as like my research and then i try things and and tweak them Um, but i've got loads of dessert books from american writers and they always add salt to everything sweet it's in there because it is a sort of flavour enhancer. And then, so I do make a point of adding salt to things because it, it, it balances the sweetness. You're not just getting this overload. Um, and then playing around with like different textures and flavours and bringing in um, inspiration from like travel. So I really love um, the, the food scene in Amsterdam. I really love Berlin. Um, went and had some amazing um, cakes at the barn and Bonanza. So, and all of those, you know, they use different flavours to complement things. So um, I think one of the best things I had over there, first was a croissant with like really, really, really dark chocolate in it. And I'm a big fan of really super dark um, chocolate. And then these peanut cookies that were almost like Anzac cookies. Oh, it was like an Anzac uh, Anzac on each side. And then then jam in the middle. Yeah. Um, So for me, that was the time that I realised you can do like a really small range of cake really really well mm. rather than having like a sweet shop um that people can choose from i think the barn only do three things but, at any yeah. one time but they're all excellent um and that's sort of what i'm trying to do is is have a narrow range but make sure that everything that you do is the best version of itself 
So like a brownie that's like really fudgy, mm. really decadent, really rich, but not too sweet. And then like a blondie that I'm really, really happy with. And then like awesome cookies. So at the moment I'm really enjoying making cookies, um, playing around with those. And the, the elements that I'm bringing to those are things like ground walnuts, ground almonds to give like bite rather than going, right, I'm going to add chocolate and sugar. And, and mm. that's going to be the base of my cookie. So it's playing around with different elements. Um, that I, I'm really enjoying at the moment. So the menu's going to change. It changes every couple of weeks, um, depending on what coffee we've got and what's in season. Um, so, yeah, it's just at the moment, um, whether our customers like it or not, they are going to come on this baking journey with me because <laughs> we're not even a year in. And I'm really excited to see what, what the future holds. But Cinnabuff, they'll always Cinnabuffins will stay. As Good. long as people want them. Because um, it's not just it's not about me, is it? It's about what people want. Um, and so as long as there's a demand for them, I will keep baking them because I there's nothing more therapeutic than rolling out cinnamon buns. I can tell you that for free. <laughs> Obviously, Sturgey was just a... It was always going to be a short-term thing. It wasn't mm -hmm. forever. Uh, that came to an end. Did you already have the plan in place to move to Bourneville? It was like maybe on the card. I think Jordan had approached Rory. Maybe... It, was it about a week before we closed? So, Jordan yeah. from, uh, from, from Michelwood from yeah. Co, yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd gotten a message saying, hi, I got your number from somebody else. Uh, we're going to be opening a store here. Wonder what, what you thought. But yeah, it literally came like a week before we before we closed. And we we knew we were closing. And we knew that we we were basically there month to month. And then we got the 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 call from Artifact saying, hey, we need the space back so that we can begin starting to get ready to reopen. So we'd kind of just gone, right, well, we'll have a look around and we'll see what's available. And um, and we'd... To be fair, we'd looked at a couple of we'd looked at a couple of sites in Sturchley, um, and it really upset. It was really upsetting because they were hideously expensive, yeah. and in total disrepair. Mm -hmm. So Sturchley became as like a young business that was less than six months old, was completely out of the realms of us being able to stay. Mm -hmm. um, and we still get people now that say like, "Oh, we miss you in Sturchley," and. Is there any chance that you'll come back and stuff? And obviously we don't know that, but it there was no way of us being able to stay there. And then Jordan turned around and said, hey, look, why don't you have a look? This is what we're thinking. We both went down and had a look at the space. Yeah, and... but I don't think that was until like August. We had we had the summer off. Mm. Yeah, I think we had about six weeks off and then went to look around. And again, that was another really quick turnaround. Yeah, um, yeah. it was less than a month. And that was that there was far more to do for this site than there was for the last one because we were quite lucky in that Artifact had a coffee machine and some equipment and a bar built. And <laughs> we, we went to uh, Isherwood & Co. And they went, so this is the space we've allocated you. And there was nothing. <laughs> and we went, right, OK, we've got to do that bit now too. Uh, it looked a lot smaller than how it's turned out, actually. I remember looking at the floor because uh, there was like it was marked out. And I was like, that's tiny. And we built on that space, and it's it's a, we've got everything that we want in it. So you wrote out for the best. It's uh, yeah, good restraints. And I think I spoke about it before. But have you read that book, The Beautiful Constraint? No. no so no. sometimes 
the, when you ha- when you're put in a corner, it kind of works for the best. Or when we you, literally yeah. were put in a corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what a beautiful corner it is, and um, surrounded by flowers. Surrounded by flowers. It's pink. If you had this massive space, you might just made the balls of it. You might have. probably wouldn't have. Maybe that, that this will be our thing. That it will just be. It will pop up in like tiny, tiny, small spaces. <laughs> is this a pop up or is it a long? No, no, no. no we're, that's we're that's here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here indefinitely. Um, yeah. I actually had a knitting lesson yesterday from my friend's mum, which I would recommend, by the way. Good for mindfulness. <laughs> and um, she said that she'd love to have um, a knitting studio where she could do classes with really great coffee. And I was like, I think you might be on something there. She said that she used to go to a class in Solihull called Stitch and Bitch. And it was like a knitting morning where everybody That's came it. along and just had a gossip while yeah. they were knitting. I've got a friend who's like, I want to do I want to do chess mornings. I want to do oh, chess mornings. And he, yeah, he calls it Chesspresso. Chesspresso. Brilliant. <laughs> hey, um, uh, ben? Please don't anybody steal that. <laughs> what? Ben yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, ben, it's, it's, it's Ben from Riggs, Riggs Fitness. Oh, right. Yeah, he, he says it ever so casually. Like he yeah. comes in and he's like, so when are we doing Chesspresso? <laughs> right, but it's three elements it's got to be a gym a coffee shop and chess boards so it's chest presso oh, chest uh, chest presso yeah but yeah no it's a I think we'll see more of it you, you see it all the time all the time in Europe like spaces are like multifunctional mm. multi-purpose and weird um I've seen this in Spain and Amsterdam you go to a tiny coffee shop and they've got literally seats going up the walls and I, I love it. It's so weird. It's such an like quirky use of space um, that I really hope that if we open up somewhere else, it's equally weird. Not that Isherwood is weird, but do you know what I mean? Like it's just think, it's I not quite what you expect. For, yeah, I think it's just like it, it's it's, it's atypical. Like it's yeah. it's not every every coffee shop that I like the like in the UK. It's either like hardwood hardwood and like metal, yeah. or it's like brickwork, old chalkboards. You know, like it, and that's kind of what is that the industrial the, yeah the, yeah the industrial yeah, yeah. look is very much what what the uk coffee scene is is looking for at the moment but the places that kind of stand out and make people go oh wow are more atypical and kind of go against the grain um, and this is what happens when you have like a girl that's like helping design because <laughs> like most coffee shops are run by boys and the ones that are run by girls are different so noppy looks different because yeah. you've got Elmira. state looks different because you've got lydia and i just think it's really refreshing to have like different inputs and different perspectives um and that's what i love about our space that it doesn't look like anywhere else in birmingham yeah I don't think it's better. I just think it's different. No, it's really, it's real. It's really pretty. I think it was the day you opened soft launch or something. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It was like the the day off. Was beautiful. It's gorgeous, and we can't take credit for that. Like Jordan's done like most of it, Mm. but the bits that we designed were like the way the shelvings all open, because we had to use height because we don't have a lot of floor space. Um, And every every morning when. I go in to get take the cinnabuffins in, and there's like flowers outside, and there's tables outside. I just think it's so pretty, um, and I just feel really lucky to work there. It's really cool. Yeah. Long may it continue. Absolutely, definitely, amazing. I feel like that's a nice kind of place to finish <laughs> up. We've took a lot of your time. Thank you um, for having yeah, us. Yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Before we go, Carl likes you got questions. I've got Carl always does a just a few rapid fire questions at the end just so everyone gets a quick glance at yes. Cool. Plus I'm just dead nosy and like knowing the answers to questions anyway. So don't give think about it too much, just say whatever comes to your head. What's your favourite movie? Oh, I don't have one. I hate these questions. <laughs> <laughs> it depends.
depends on my mood. I don't have one single. F- like I'll say something stupid like Bridget Jones' Diary, but it's not my favourite film. I don't have one. Rory, what's yours? Oh, it's too stressful. <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> See, that's so cool. Yeah, that's cool. good. If someone said that, I'd be like, yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> I do love Die Hard. I've got four of them on DVD, but nobody watches DVDs anymore. I don't think I even have a DVD player. No, we got given a DVD, and I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to put this in? The past. <laughs> <laughs> my I, my f- iPhone got stolen a couple of years ago, and I walked in um, to my friend's bar with um, he- like my headphones in, and she was like, what are you connected to? And I pulled out an iPod, and I was like, the past. Because <laughs> that's all I could listen to music on while they replaced it. Oh, my God. Favourite film. I'm so shit. Like, I'm, like, she, she's completely throwing me here. I don't know. I like um, uh, high society, which is like the if you, if you know that. Yeah, I know. Can I change my answer? Yeah. Paddington <laughs> two. Yeah, that is actually really good. That's so good. That is funny. I mm-hmm. love um, what's his name? He's four weddings and a funeral, guys. I know, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah. Grant. Oh, he's really, stunning. Really, really so good. good. Really good. My daughter I like loves the, that the film. song that he does at the end when he's in prison. <laughs> yeah. It's really flamboyant. Um, what's your favourite band or DJ or artist? Damien Rice. Damien Rice. Post his, yeah, his O album is, is my favourite album of all time. I've listened to it on 12 different sets of he- like headphones and every type of headphones gives like a different listening experience you hear different stuff in it and over every speaker at every coffee shop you've ever worked at <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're right you're totally right yeah yeah um cannonball or blower's daughter in every yeah. damn shop <laughs> and you're going post malone post malone i think yeah i love his voice uh what's your favorite big fast food chain mcdonald's yeah, I'm gonna have to go for McDonald's. What's yours? Fillet of fish. Mm-hmm. You know what? Surprising amount of people. I've, I've, I've never really it met anyone that's ever had it, but people do order do it. I'm gonna be honest. Like, I don't know if I've ever had one. I've seen one. I will take you for I one now. I might have to try. I might have to try. I've converted him to them. I, I was going to say, like, you looked at <laughs> you looked at Farrah then, like, really? You're going to look at me. Honestly, <laughs> the fillet of fish is the goat. Is and I won't, really? like, Leo will, like, people like Leo will say other things. But no, you, we like... got Leo hooked on them because he was like, I said to Leo, I was like, you've got to try the fillet of fish at Mackey's. It's amazing. And he was like, what? <laughs> what? What a dead order. And I was like, no, honestly, please try it. And so he was like, all right, next time we go to McDonald's. This was before like we were really good friends. Yeah. And I, I, I'd like to think this is what cemented our friendship. Um, <laughs> but I took him to McDonald's and then we went in and ordered. And then I suddenly got really nervous because he's a chef at a really good <laughs> restaurant. And he was, and he, no, he turned around and he went, chef he went, this better not be shit. And I was like, oh my God, what if it's shit? <laughs> um, and then he started looking at like the app to see what fish they used. Cause he was like, I wonder what fish it is. What fish is it? And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like Pollock or, or like something else. And then I couldn't find it. And he was like, why isn't it on the menu? What, what is it? What's the fish? And I just got really stressed. Um, but he tried it and he loved it. And his only comment was, it tastes better with lettuce. So now he always orders it with lettuce. So you can yeah. have a fillet of fish a la Leo, but you ask for lettuce. A, because he likes the taste of it. Uh, and B, because it guarantees that they'll make it fresh. So that's a Leo Couture hack. That's a good one. Well, just so you know, if you go to McDonald's in the Greater Birmingham area, 
you can't order Alan Leo Katoon. <laughs> they don't know. Like they don't. They don't know who he is. Okay. Add lettuce because he's like it's always hotter then. That's a good one. What's your favourite? Uh, I went for KFC. Mm. I love fried chicken. Oh. Proper mad on it. Even KFC. Just oh, yeah, all so good. Five guys in there. You put five yeah, guys down here. Yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love side five choice. Guys. Milkshake. The milkshake. Yeah, I've never had the milkshake. The Crushams. No, Crushams is five KFC. Guys five Guys milkshake is the is the. I don't bomb. think I've ever had one. You can, oh, so you can like you can have yeah. all of them if you, you can want. Have right? Everything that's on the menu. You can oh, have you can have a peanut butter and that. chocolate and Oreo one, and it's bomb. With a bacon crumb. <gasps> I haven't. I'd never thought of that. You're a genius. And then you dip your fries in the milkshake. I'm gonna go out eating with you. So <laughs> this is I'll great. Like I'll, I'll go anywhere with guilt. you. So I feel I feel guilty just going in. And having a burger. So if to get a milkshake as well on the side, I'd be like, nah, it's too much. Unless I'm hungover. I'd rather the milkshake <laughs> than the burger, to be honest. I'd rather have two burgers. <laughs> anyway. What's <laughs> <laughs> your favourite takeaway? My uh, current favourite is um, Sakura from Asia Asia Food Hall. They're on delivery and they do banging sushi. Mm, really nice. good. I love a sushi take up. I do like sushi. I'm going to say something that makes everybody just like really sad. I love a Dixie. Rory, it made you so <laughs> ill last week. <laughs> you were so ill for like a day and a half. How can you? What? Do you know what? It's part, part of it is like, <laughs> I know, I know it's crazy. I know. <laughs> and, and I know like nobody, it's going to make sense to nobody. <laughs> But there's something about like the spicy batter that they put on the chicken wings. I've broken up with Dixie. Me and Dixie are done. I'm never having another one again. Honestly. I... You must love it if it made you that ill and you're still like, no, I still it's want another one. It just it's just nostalgic. Like, do you know what? It's like if it was like the most nostalgic thing ever, it's like a Dixie or a Caspian. Right. Those two things are just like they're trash. Oh no, I but love like, Caspian. Yeah, but it's trash, right? Mediterranean with the dynamite <laughs> on the pizza. I love that you've got your order locked and ready to go. Oh, I know. Uh, as soon as someone says Caspian, I'm like, right, Caspian, half Caspian special, half Mediterranean. Thank you very much. I like um, Caspian will put French fries into a small pizza box, add mayonnaise and cheese, close it for you, three pa- no, and chicken, £3.50. Five minutes later, it's all melted. It's incredible. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh my God. Shit's good though. It's yeah. incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a box of shit. No, it's not though. Unless it makes Can that be the title for this podcast, please? It's going to throw everyone a box of shit. There's nothing wrong with a box of Where'd shit. Where'd you go for your box of shit? <laughs> well, apparently I go to Dixie and everyone laughs about it. Hey, I used to be Team Dixie, but after last week, I'm not. It wasn't so much the Dixie, it was Ferris. You know, I know. Rory, come on. Do better. What's your favourite bar in Birmingham? Couch. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be 1881. Yeah. It used to be 1881. I'm very excited for False Idols 2018. Yeah, it's going to be sick. Yeah. Genius. I just want to see Rob and Kendra back working doing what they do best just 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 killing it on it on every possible level like that that's that's what they do that's what they're amazing at um and it's just yeah it's just gonna be cool to see them do it again yeah i'm really excited to see we are friends with them but we don't know much about false idols because the, the way that they like to work is that they they go away do their thing and then they're like and it's ready here you go um yeah. so we hopefully will be there for opening night 
Um, but I'm just genuinely really excited to. I'll, I think it's I'll go be at like a, I'll go like midday on a Tuesday if I have to. Like Look, when I'll, they're not I'll, even, like, open. Um, they won't be open. Yeah. And also, like both <laughs> of us went to 1881 the first time that we went. We didn't actually like I knew them very very tangentially, and that first time that. I went there because we both went together. Mm-hmm. It was just like an absolute game changer. Yeah, like it, it was just like I was just like this is what cocktails are. Okay, I'm I'm in. I'm 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 a cocktail guy now. Like mm-hmm. I will drink these. Um, but seeing as they are, they are not open, and also because there's phenomenal work being done there. Yeah, couch. Yeah. The thing that they share is that that friendly um, service. That's they've got their pre-batch drinks so they're not away making a drink and then but you get the contact time you get the chat you get that personal touch and mm. yeah what's your favourite food destination in the world what in the world I thought you were going to say Birmingham no nah, no you love the world here <laughs> so far for me Berlin nice. had the best ramen of my life at Kokolo really found this awesome like Korean burger place um Best pan of chocolate of my life. And I lived in Paris for a year. Wow. Was in Berlin. Jesus. So good. It had like a glaze on it. Yeah. Mm. Um, nice. um uh, Jakarta. Like, as like a food capital, is just absolutely mad. Yeah. You can order food from a street vendor who literally, like, on an Uber eat, uh, like, adjacent app called Gojak. And you go, you know, this got this one guy who makes this one thing sat on the side of the road. Yeah, can I get three of those, please? And you bring them over here. And they go, yeah, sure, no worries. The, f- <laughs> the breadth of food is ridiculous. Um, and the flavour's just like, I could literally just eat it all the time. Like, there's so much going on all the time because it's like the third most populated city in the world. Yeah. And it's just the food reflects that. And it's just... Enough. Having said that, I think we're very lucky in Birmingham as well. Like, you've got yeah. Chinatown, you've got the Baltic Triangle, you've got... Like hidden spots absolutely everywhere. Mm. Um, There's a few things missing that I'd like in the city, but other than that, like I'd love a really good ramen place, like an amazing oh ramen. Yeah. yeah. Like Cocolo in Berlin out. is the best ramen I've ever had. Yeah. Like hands down. Mm-hmm. We got there for when they opened at 12. I think we got there at like five past 12. We tried to yeah. get there as soon as possible, and there was a queue of 15 people in front of us. Yeah, like, bad. you got to be doing something right. I had like the veggie ramen and I was convinced it had meat in it. Yeah. Because it was the depth on it was insane. But it was like a mushroom. Um, it was miso and stuff as miso, well. Miso like yeah. soup. I've, I've queued for a good, I went Phenomenal. to Japan and I've queued for a good 45 minutes regularly to get a good ramen. Oh, man. Like it's one of my favourite foods and I don't know why it's not more popular. Yeah. It's insane. If it's the best place for food in Birmingham, by the way, I could go every day to Asia Asia Food Hall. Yeah. I could go to that hawker's yard every single day, and I'd be, I'd be so happy. You're a big fan <laughs> of that, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Asia. I miss the um, the dude though upstairs that was doing the noodles. The um... noodles. Yeah, it was really spicy, really spicy. Um... Uyghur. Oh, the Uyghur place. Oh, yeah. the guy with the skewers. Because uh... he used to do like, um, that's that's how we know. Um, that place is because they used to do skewers and they were like 50p or a pound a pop and they were absolutely unreal they were like lamb skewers and they did like chicken gizzard ones and they were like crispy spicy beef with these noodles but they were like udon noodles but like thicker like like, so thick it was just there like pulling handful in these noodles Mm. and it was in really spicy broth it was like 
like a different heat though like it wasn't like numbing I feel uncomfortable it was like a little bit painful <laughs> but it was a bit like <laughs> addictive as well you were like oh this is nice like it was just a, a real kind of obviously warmth to it but you, in more than just the heat sense I mean like what's the place in Georgia I saw that went a copy tea yeah, I went, there. I went there on, um, I went to Laura Marlin on Tuesday, was it? Yeah. Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. No, it was Monday. Mm. And uh, yeah, I went there first because I've heard loads of people bang on about yeah. it. Yeah, they sauce. do pancake noodles. They do like a prawn fish mm. with pancake noodles, which is incredible. That's like proper, I'm having a bad day. This is what yeah. I want to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is good though, though. Awesome. And that's us, so the lights are about to go out in this place as well. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank yeah, you very much really for having much. us. Thank Cheers. you for having us.